Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. So um, please let us put that in mind. So we've been looking at revival because God has been, you know, and uh, we've tried to talk about revival and how at times the word is used so much um, uh, that when we say revival, people, the interpretation of people is different, you know, and at times what people, what, what, what may be interpreted, either prophetically or, or because the Bible says when you, so you receive according to, uh, according to knowledge, according to faith, so at times when you express it the way you think it is, but at times maybe what God is looking for, what God is talking about is an advanced, a very tough prayer meeting. It is not a revival. You get what I'm saying? So, so because you see a lot of posters out there, people call revival, 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 and you know, and it's 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 good. But as you begin to understand, as you begin to lose, even closer, you begin to maybe our expectation. Let's put it that way. Our expectation would be higher. Of course, you know, revival is is in a general sense is bringing back to life of something bringing back to life or something. And one thing you need to also understand that when God says that something is dead, as far as God's definition of scriptures is concerned, it is away from him. He is life. So revival does not necessarily mean that, you know, revival, no, when God calls for a revival, what he's saying is that this thing is far away from me. And it can only be brought back to life because he is life. Does that make sense? So, so you will begin to see the translation of revival. And as we begin to look at, you know, um, uh, Ephesians, I'm just going to say Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, says to us that, Ephesians 5, 19, says that, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and sing, you, and sing and make um, make music in your hearts to the Lord. You know, I, at the time, I think I explained a little bit on difference between what is called, what the Bible calls spiritual songs, not what, you know, but what the Bible calls spiritual songs, hymns, and things like that, there are different categories. But however, that's what we're talking about this morning. I just wanted to be, why well, I said that because, because I just wanted to, because at times, why the Bible says speak to yourself in hymns? Because at times, you know, most of these songs, at times we, we dance to them too much that we forget what's exactly that is why especially in, in the movement food there is the the sense of doing the lens it is not it's not only really it is for you to concentrate they want you to take away distraction so when those songs are sung to you so that you can you can listen and that is why they call it because so so everything is geared for you to meditate on them you get what I'm saying? So, but that is, that is, you know, um, so we will just look at a hymn that we normally sing. We will say that the hymn says, I think it's like that. It said, um, sorry, I'm sorry, my mind is somewhere else. Um, let's let's read the Now, what I'm trying to say is that 
I'm going to explain what I'm, where, where I'm going. He now went on to the chorus. Now, please note that as it begins to go through the verses of the song, the expectation is that there is a revival that is coming. And there is a preparation towards that revival. So this, even our hymns do not give us a direction that a revival is a service. That's what I'm going to. So they are saying to us that our, this revival that is coming doesn't even end. It's not a revival that ends. The expectation is not a revival that ends in a day or two. It is a revival that, that expands beyond time. Does that make sense? So let's go on, please, as we just... Um, he said, Larry Otal at Larry Elegon, Lawan, Mili Juju, Shibo Jesu, Kujeka Shibo. So he's basically saying that you are, you, we will be going through opportunities for us to fall. However, what will sustain us in those who think less or mock us as a, as, as, uh, what's called, as, as, as a fault or whatever it is, he said, it, the answer will be in a revival. He went on to say that again he hands up by saying these things are what will be possible when a revival hits the fold. So this song is actually telling you Prepare, there has to be a preparation for revival. And when that revival hits, most of the things that this song begins to tell us will now become a reality. Does that make sense? Amen. Hallelujah. That's why at times it is good that we just don't sing these songs, but we take time to listen to them and understand what the songs are saying to us. So, if truly we understand this, then we will not have a, 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 a thought that revival is just one service. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. You know, he says, Oh, call the dad in that Nazareth. You are only should be just be followed if they judge the one in our way to the city. Because when revival hits, you don't what you what you know, people will be saying, I mean, is, is, is this thing possible? No, so many things are possible when revival eventually hits, but. There, as we approach that revival, there is a preparation. There are ingredients that need to be brought together for revival to hit. For revival to hit. And we would see patterns of revival and we, we were able to talk about the pattern of revival of the Welsh revival Last, uh, and I'm just, just trying to explain to us that revival heart takes the same pattern in any generation wherever you are. From scripture, revival takes the same pattern. 
And you would see that at a time, of course, a revival is when God draws himself to people, draws people to himself, and it leads to such um, an outflow. I.e., that was when Jesus was coming. The name that was introduced was Emmanuel, which means the Bible says God with us. The Jewish tradition I tell you, I tell you, said God tabernacled within his people. So, 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 so God was talking about a revival is about to hit. And you will see that as you read your whole testament, as he comes to the last verses of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 4, from verse 5 to 6, he said, See, I will send prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the, of the Lord. Of the Lord comes. He said it will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents. Else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Basically, revival is a way by which God averts judgment on an area. The last chance that God does for a nation of people to escape certain things is revival. Now, as we, we would have to just do a brief pointer to Elijah as we begin to find the, the ingredients of revival. God spoke this, if you have your Bible, in verse 6. After God spoke that, you will see something in your Bible, if you bought your Bible from bookshop and all that bitch. <laughs> Hallelujah. So do we have, does anybody have the Bible there? Um, yeah, you say verse 6, so there be, you know, that is the verse 6. Now, after that verse 6, what what do you see? It's a blank page. Some boy, yeah, blank page. When you even turn it around, some Bibles may even have two blank pages. What it means is signifying the time when God was silent over the world. So when God said, when God was about to draw the curtain, that is why it is not because if we were to look for other, um, you know, if we were to be to Halapi uh, if it was to to kind of divide the pages, one page is enough. So that's why when you read Genesis, you have one page or blank one. So he's saying that you are going to another chapter or whatever the case may be. But in this case, you will see that in some Bibles we actually put those two pages as blank and go to the next page. That's the one after that and begin to write New Testament. Because he's trying to pass a message that at this period of time, when God was drawing the curtain, he said, no, until I send you Elijah. But guess what was happening there? Church was going on. People were going to church. Life was okay. Whereas, heaven had, heaven had paid the agenda of revival. But yet, progress was going on. 
What am I trying to say is that when revival doesn't hit, you will still see services going on. Everything will still be okay. So for 400 years, until when John the Baptist appeared and Jesus introduced him as the one who came in the spirit of Elijah. Does this make sense to us? So let's just step back a bit and try to look at why did God use prophet Elijah as a guide? What was he trying to talk about when he said, I will send Elijah to you? Now, let's read. Let's read. Now, Elijah, when this is the first introduction of Elijah, he was the one that said, Rain will not happen except I say so. But why did he say so? It is because there was already, in fact, they had institutionalized idol worship. And Elijah stood up and said, Until I say so, this will never happen. But please, you will not see it in your Bible that God told Elijah to go and say it. Are we getting to a point like this? Because we are trying to examine what is, why Elijah? What exactly did God see in Elijah? Is it because he's a prophet? Because they were prophets also, but God, after Elijah, but God used him as a benchmark. So we saw that in his days, there was perversion. The prophet of Baal were already taking, they were going around doing all, all sorts of things. Guess what? It was not only Elijah that was available. Can you remember that God told Elijah that there were other prophets that I have hidden for myself? So why did all of them not talk? Why was it Elijah that spoke? Now, I'm going to draw this a little bit closer for you to see what I'm saying when it comes to ingredients of revival. James chapter 5. The Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps and your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. He said, uh, let's just, The Bible now says that, he says, Now, I'm reading the Amplified Version. He says, The heart felt persistent prayer of a righteous man. A believer can accomplish much when it is when it when put into action and made effective. Amen. Do you know what this means to me? Nobody forced Elijah to, to pray. Elijah decided in his heart that I want to see God in my generation. That is why the Bible says that the persistent prayer, so it was not a prayer that, it was not that God showed me a revelation, no. It was that Elijah got to a point that Elijah said, I need to see God move in my own generation 
So the Bible says his prayer was not only prayer of the mouth. The Bible is telling us that that kind of prayer, his heart was in it. It was a heart desire to see God. Does that make sense? So, the first thing I see as an ingredient in Elijah's life is that Elijah was not functioning as a prophet, as it were. He was as something that in his heart, he loved God so much that he wanted to see him in his own days. So, the Bible says, a heartfelt and persistent prayer. The Bible now says that, and this is amplified anyway, he said when it is, he said, he said when put into action. So that means that the Bible did not say when God put it into action. The Bible says when Elijah decided to begin to put it into action. And I would, as we go further, I would bring this into day-to-day examples that you see that the pattern is ever the same. So, let's read on, please. And just see that, so the Bible now tells us that the, the Bible now said, before you begin to think Elijah is one special person, he said, Elijah was a man with like natures like hearts. The Bible says he had the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitation. Can you imagine that we say spiritual limitation for Elijah? Ah, no, no. God has not been speaking to me in a particular way. Maybe that's why, no. You see, Elijah had limitation. There is no servant of God that don't have all of this. See, servant of God said, me, I don't have all those kind of limitations. He's, he's, he's living the lala world. <laughs> so the Bible says, and shortcomings. So he said that before you begin to think that this man that God used to bring revival, this, this standard that God is using to bring revival is not just... Now, having said that, this is why Let me, first of all, I'll go down to the scriptures and I'll come back up. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. Now, this is where, why did Elijah choose the prayer, shut the heavens? I believe it was probably Elijah had read scripture. I said, how do God, does God deal with situations like this? So you will see that in Psalm chapter 11, verse 16, it says, be careful you, or, or you'll be enticed and turn, uh, uh, turn away and worship gods and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's hunger will burn against you. He will shut the heavens so that it will not rain on the ground and you'd produce things like that. Excuse me. Why was Elijah not saying that? And God said he would shut the heavens. It's not my problem. 
Why do I have to keep on praying that God should intervene in my land? If God wants to intervene, if you don't want to intervene, it's not important. Now, as we, because your, your, our survivor in our journey to heaven, eternity, where is a, has a lot to do on how revived your environment is. First Peter, sorry, um, uh, Timothy. Just to he says, I hold you. That's I'm begging. This is not the kind of prayer you like to pray. He says, that first of all, petitions and prayers and intercession and things will be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may, we, we, may live a peaceful, quiet, in all godliness and holiness. As long as I would diverge as long as we are ever, there is no time the church is standing to pray for leaders. We only cost them. It will be more and more difficult for you to live a righteous life in that country. When we become political, that is, you would, you would, it would not be possible. Because unrighteousness will continue to increase. Please, it did not say that you pray for them to do. No, when I'm praying for a leader, this is the prayer point. God, control their heart to be able to make us live a, a, um, a peaceful, quiet, and godly life. So I'm not saying pray for them that uh, uh, when somebody's doing bad. No, that's not what Bible is saying. Bible is saying, no, pray for them that God will keep changing their heart. Towards, and if they would not support this line of in God, find a replacement. So, if an environment is not revived, you would be there. Will be no other, you will, you it would it will become a battle for you. The scripture says that Lot is a righteous man. People may not agree, but that's what the scripture says. About what? Second Peter, let's go on, please. Second Peter, because of our time. The Bible says, if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, the Bible says, who, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of lawlessness? For that righteous man, that is him. For, 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 for that righteous man living among, living among them day to day, tormented his righteous soul. So that means that the more depraved your environment is, the more tormented your spiritual life will be. Some people say, you know, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, I can I can survive as a Christian. I can keep my friends. You know, we can still be the same level and things like that. And they, and they keep falling. And they say, why? No, because your spiritual life, your spiritual soul is being tormented. It will be a struggle. So when somebody says that somebody's soul is tormented, 
according to scriptures, when you begin to keep certain company, it is gradual. Before you know it, you before you get to that level, I think somebody, I said you cannot be in the in, in the in the well in the pit of the well and try to lift people who are in the well with you up. Is that possible? You have to come out from the well, stand well, then you reach out to pick them. That is the only way you can benefit your own life and their life. But if you say, don't worry, we're in the way together, we will push ourselves up. It never happens. So the Bible says that the issue with Lot was that his spiritual soul was being tormented on a day-to-day basis. That is why revival is not only dependent on God. It's your survival of your soul or the, your, or, or the children coming. If you don't pay the price for revival now, their survival in Christianity will be tough. Does that make sense? So, we see that a man that is um, he's a righteous man, but his righteous life was ah, was a struggle. Was a struggle. You know, was a struggle, and that's why I encourage people: you just pay the price, pay the price for your Christian life, for your survival. You can later be, but stay away. We can connect on certain levels for certain areas. No. Why? I don't want my soul to be tormented. I don't want my soul to be tormented. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, why are we saying all of this? Because until there is personal revival, you cannot have effects on an environment. That is why Psalm 51 says that, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. He now said to sustain me. That means that if you're, if you're, please note that, note that when the Bible is talking about spirit here, it's one of these capital letters. When you read the Bible, it talks about capital letter S. When Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, when it talks about small letter S, it's talking about your spirit. So he said, well, you can put soul in there. That let my soul be willing. That is what will sustain me in my Christian world. He now said, then I will now teach transgressions away. I, until I go to verse 2, I don't go to verse, um, verse 13. And start to, I say last chapters of you, you know, somebody just gave their life to Christ and and uh, you know and uh, let's say uh, is battling um, uh, women's uh, things like that. He now goes to the midst of prostitutes to go and preach. By the time he preaches two weeks, <laughs> it will be their comfort. It will be their comfort. 
Why am I saying is that we first of all found out that Elijah, first evidence, Elijah was, he wasn't, he was so a desire for God. And that desire for God is constant within you. You cannot wish people have something that you yourself do not have. Or you don't value. Let's put it that way. God grant us this in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, as we just move a little swiftly to some practical aspects of, of, of this, is that it's, it's important that we understand that your Christian life is focused, has two legs as it were. Let's just, let's just land it up to two legs as it were. One, you are a, when you give your life to Christ, you are a child of God. Second one is your fellowship with him. So, your level of fellowship with God will determine a lot of things in your walking. So, you can have a husband and wife in the house. They've not spoken for a month. They are still husband and wife. Legally, they are husband and wife. So as a Christian, a Christian who has given his life to Christ, that Christian is still, is still a child of God. But the fellowship aspect is missing. So somebody can be a Christian and not have fellowship with God. But you will begin to see that what will not happen is that when that person now wants to draw close to God, the first thing that will come is guilt. Can you imagine if your if your dad has been trying to call you not call them for a month? They now call you. Will you pick the phone? <laughs> you say no, 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 no. Let me be the one to call it. Why do you not pick it? Guilt. And when your fellowship with God is already you know, it's, it's, you are, you, the argument is not, are you a child of God or not? The argument is that, how is your fellowship? That is why when we go on, this, you know, the scripture talks about the fact of um, uh, the, the, the second Corinthians. The Bible says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, on that translation we say the communion. Communion means communication of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So when we are dispatching the service, how we say may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, but you don't talk to the Holy Spirit after you live here. So we are just speaking into here. So that is why that is why it is done at the end of the service. So as you are going, remember that it doesn't end here. You have to continue your communion with the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says your fellowship. That is how your Christian life can come to life. But when we just say that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the spirit of the Holy Spirit, be with you forevermore. Amen. And that person does not receive fellowship until they come again next week. So what's the point? 
and I was going to read it. Sorry, that's where I go. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm just saying, these things, except we pursue the practicalities, you will only be hearing them, you will not become a reality to you. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's, there's a reason why the Bible always called the Holy Spirit. You know, I was saying towards the last time that when you see a capital letter S, it's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. In now use Holy Spirit. The Bible knows it because one of the requirements of Holy Spirit is holiness. He enjoys, you can only enjoy the fellowship as you give yourself. To, um, to, uh, to a life of holiness. That's how your fellowship increases. Amen. Now, I'm going to just, I've been point out a little bit of ingredients in that scenario that we've seen. I'm just going to, you know, uh, the Tarot says something to us. The Tarot says that remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your fathers. And he will tell you, and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. That is that there are some things. God is a God of pattern. There is nothing called new truth. You know, even the young, the, the, the whole people, they know, it is everybody calls it that thing. Our younger children believe that you, you have never been a children. They just, they just think that this is how God created you. We are, you don't understand. So also we are also telling our grandparents. I say, ah, you don't understand. They'll be like, I was what I did not. I was not like this since I was born. I too came from that pattern. I know what you are already going through. But times, you know, at that stage, you feel that you don't understand. But what I used to remember myself that when I was so younger, I used to think that my parents did not understand. Now that I'm in their own state. So that is life. So the Bible says, when it comes to, it said there is a pattern. That's what God is saying. There is a pattern. And the Bible, when, when, when Jude, who was one of the elders of the church, in the early church, was talking in Jude to 1 verse, verse, um, verse 3, he says, dear friend, he said, I... Say that definitely. I I am I am very eager to write you about the salvation we share. He said, I felt to compel to write and hold you to contend for the faith which was won and sure to hold to God's holy people. Please, how does it mean to contend? Contending means that. If you don't hold on to it, you will sleep. Contending means that if you don't, if you don't deliberately take F, take take um, take caution, that faith that was that the fathers had known will be watered down. That faith that the fathers had known will be watered down. So as we can I just go to that? It's just not to the guy. Just next one. Next one, please. Thank you. Now, this is like a mapping of the revivals that happened that has happened in Nigeria, or major revivals, as it were. 
of faces. Now you have the planting of the churches when the Christianity came and things like that. You have other revivals, small revivals that did not, they were good revivals, but they were contained in an area. So you had, this is where you have the CNS, um, you know, this is the CNS revival. The revival, CNS revival kicked off from the influenza that happened in Lagos, in, in, in the in southwest or in, in the West, West African region in the 1920s. So when Olimarade began to pray and people began to get healed, that was when the revival kicked off in those days. But all these revivals seem to be like a, a revival that kicks off but later cools down. At times, probably because those revivals are centered around the person. Like Uri Moladi said, well, incorporated the church, let's do that because he didn't start in 1925. Incorporated the church in 1925. He died in 1933. So that means Oyemade was only available to see the church for eight years. And that eight years, you cannot calculate that eight years. Because there have been fractions from probably the fifth year or so that the church started when the captain had been left and other people left and there were different fractions of it. So what I'm trying to say is that even the man's heart desire could not be properly formed before he departed. So there are so many things that people call, ah, you know, he, uh, this is the uh, founding world, what God said at the beginning of no. I'm just trying to bring you history for you to see how the patterns of God works. And it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it, it's, it's a particular pattern. So you see that, what I'm trying to point out here is that you would see that when like most of the when he started, he didn't start the church. It wasn't a church. So what I mean that he didn't start saying he was he was he had formerly had an encounter with God personally. And that desire began to grow more and more. Then a revival broke through him as a person. You see the same pattern with Babalola and the rest like that when you have most of their revivals here. I am not necessarily talking about the revivals here. I'm talking about the main revival that kicked off in Nigeria. Now, for those of us who are of a particular age, like mine, you, even when you go to Nigeria, till date, people will be saying uh, he's behaving like an SU. Because the SU, there was the SU revival that broke out in Nigeria. It was not SU revival per se, it was revival that broke out just after the civil war. It was as this revival begin to explain it. See, when revival kicks off, it is traceable. It's not going to be, it's not going to be. It was for those who were who are much older than I have, will tell you that in in those days that if somebody you can the fact that somebody is an SU. Is a qualification to, to get the job. You trust them so much that if you put money with them, 
you are guaranteed that that money will be saved. Because when revival hits a particular place and the spread begins to go, see, there were, church, there were churches before then. When, revive, when this revival hit, was 1960 to 1970s. And at people that are contentious about it, but as far as most people are concerned who follow these things, there has not been a revival in Nigeria afterwards. Because we studied the revival in UK, that's why I said, okay, let us go home and see that. See, the pattern is the same. And when revival breaks, you will see it in the environment. It will be so it will be real. It will not be that, it will not be that, you know, you it will just be. Let me let me see. And at times when we see great faces across. The fold, as it were, as across the country. Most of all these great faces that you see are products of the revival. The Oedipus, the Yodis, the men of God. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them are either products of these revivals, as you see it. Now, I'm drawing that to bring you to a particular young man. A particular young man who had a, a particular lifestyle. He is not the only center of the revival. You probably have not heard about him before. He's not the only center of the revival, but those who witnessed and saw the trend will say this man was instrumental. In that world. Let's go to people's like this. Now, this man is Mike Oji. Now, you will see that people would say that we call it SU Revival. The thing was that this man came from Ghana, a young guy, came from Ghana, went to the University of Ibadan. There was a couple of things going on in the University of Ibadan, as I said, in terms of the movement for God. He lets, he lets, he left, um, he left uni and he decided to be like the, um, what's it called? The press, the, the youth wing of this Christian Union group. You know, Christian Union, uh, for those who are in Nigeria, you see their pamphlet and those things like that. So he decided to say that, okay, how can we expand this? So he now said, let us begin to go to primary schools and secondary schools. Let it just be assembly that people would, they will quote the scriptures and they will have a memory verse and will give them scripture, you know. I'm going to explain to you, what I'm bringing to you now is that the difference between somebody who is doing a job as a pastor for somebody who has the desire that's why I am not surprised that over the over the morning we've had it about two or three times of the song bubbling up to say Awani Shaferire. So we are not talking about we are talking about the so when one of the things that this man did, I'll I'll just give you an example is that 
he would go to assembly. That was his job. He goes to be a salesman. He goes to the assembly and he tells them about scriptures and says, this is scriptural union, this is devotional, please read it, use it in the morning, and things like that. As long as he gets his sales, he's done his job. But this man, because of his desire to see God move in his own nation, he wake up early in the morning, pray before he goes to the schools. There was a particular school he went in the care. Oh, sorry, the car. And I'm not surprised at that area because, of course, there have been revivals that started at that place even from the days of Moses and cooled off because as he moved on. And as this guy began to... So, he came to this school. It was uh, Victoria College, the car. Now, what I'm telling you is because one of the things about revivals is that where he starts, you would know. You would see it has there is a marker. Revival doesn't just when fire starts on the place that like we told before, you will see the pattern of the, of, the, of the fire. So when the guy came, the principal said, Excuse me, five minutes. And him being a very someone that is always respectful of others, he made his note to not more than five minutes. As he began, so they brought him to the assembly. The, the principal stood at the back. And as he began to introduce the Bible to them, to the children, and things like that, five minutes when this person was in like this continue. Before they knew it, most of all those kids were going on their knees asking, seeking God. A five-minute program. They finished their assignment after two hours or whatever it is. They went to class. He left school. The children could not, even teachers could not do classes again. Because children, everybody was falling under the conviction of God. When children got home, parents began to notice something different about their children. They came to school. So a, a program that started five minutes ended three months. It was impossible for them to do to do classes again. Because children were so much under the power of God that you could not teach anybody, even the teachers themselves. And revival began to break breakthrough. And people begin to say, SU revival. Because he was a young man who decided that beyond my just doing my job as SU advertisement book, I need to see revival in my time. And for those who are familiar, see the sweep across the nation. People who did not even know him did not know that the fire that they caught in their own house in miles away was a fire that was burning from one place to another as a revival was sweeping across Nigeria. He would not say he started it because revival, there are people who always labor in prayer. That's why I said, you know, even I'm not saying, but I, I, 
I, it kind of feels to me that the position of the carnet is, is also important. Because when the way the revival happens is some people will come and labor and leave. Some people will come and labor and leave. And before you see it, the revival just catches up. The question is this. As we come to a particular area, revival always starts from somebody who will be ready. That's why when you read Psalm 51, when David, when David was talking, he started from him. He said, surely somewhere, surely I was born, I was sinful at birth, and my mother conceived me. And then things like, he said, cleanse me with your blood, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and things like that. Then you now begin to see him, now says that, damn, Sinners will be converted unto you. Our land, our life, our families would do well if revival hits them. We will survive at the break of revival. The question is, why I chose that, why I looked at that man, he was not a pastor. He did not have a church. He was not looking for an audience. All he did was the area that God called him. And fire spread through that place across the nation. Now, the challenge now is that somebody, like um, a man wrote a book, to say that, will we ever see another revival in Nigeria? The actual question is, would we ever see somebody who is a nobody, who would decide that God use me as this revival head? Even though, like today, except I show you his picture, you will never know who he is if he walks past the street. But heaven knows that is where the fire started from. Or one of the people that the fire started from. Revival will not start as long as it's about you and what you want for yourself. Revival will only start when your desire is to see God move in your mind. Just go to that picture as we close, uh, close this. To say that this bishop of Methodist, one of the high bishops of Methodist, this is the man. This man came to share the same thing when this man caught fire. Over that year since 1960s, that man is still serving God. He is a priest. He is not. Because what God is looking for is not somebody who has all the taxes. It's just somebody who desires God so much that you want to see practicalities in your generation. And God has always constantly been using the back of you. 
Not that there are histories of people like Oedipus was old women who paid the price on the altar of prayer for fire to start from that place. The question is this, are we going to continue and see church as normal? Everything is okay while we are actually living through the days of black pages of the scriptures. When you think what you are seeing is the best, but God is saying there is more to this than you ever imagined. That is the call for revival. Is that somebody would say that I want to see our Nero teacher. It is, we are not the people that is doing, we are not looking for you for anything. We just want to see you. He says that we are the generation that seek you, that seek your face. And that is all God is looking for, for those who are going to cause survival to happen in that generation. I believe as we come to this tribute, there is a panting in the heart of heaven looking for another Makoi who would surrender themselves so that even if people don't remember their name forever, everybody will begin to form to say, Ah, I'm here. Not knowing <laughs> that it was on the altar of one man that I fire for Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.